Well, good morning and welcome to the Vineyard. And welcome back, students. It's good to have you. Welcome back, all of you who took a little hiatus this summer. It's okay. We're glad you're back. (laughs) It happens, right? It's a good time to be here because we are in a message series called We Are the Vineyard. And we're exploring, you know, who are we as a church so people can actually decide, do I want to be part of this church or not? And so we're using four different metaphors that we've historically used to describe our church. And these are, we are a family that loves, we are a school that trains, we are a hospital that mends or heals, and we are an army that advances the kingdom of God. Now, last week, Julie shared a little bit of our history as a vineyard church, and today I'm going to look at We are a family that loves. Okay, now, I'll be the first to tell you it is not easy to love. I mean, I love all of you, but it's not easy to love. Because Tuesday, August 29, just a couple days, my husband, Happy, and I will celebrate 52 years of marriage. Now, no, 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 don't clap. Because you know what? Uh, (laughs) That's a long time to love, okay? And love is messy. You know, actually, I don't know what it is about a 75-year-old man who still does not flush the toilet. But I think he would say this, and I don't know what it is about a 72-year-old woman who still does not load the dishwasher right. Did you know there's a right way? Uh, Apparently, I just don't care. But, you know, these are the things that you learn to give and take when (laughs) you are in a long relationship of love. I mean, really, love is messy. It is. And I'm so grateful you know, I'm so grateful. The scripture is so clear. First John, he's called the apostle of love, by the way. He tells us, you know, this about this amazing father God. It's a God who is love. Okay, first John 3, 1. What marvelous love the father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. You know, we can read texts in the Bible. We can agree with them. How many of you know it takes a lifetime to really experience them? And it's taken me a long time to know that I was not a disappointing daughter to God. No, I am delightful Diane, that he loves me deeply. And that's my prayer is that we all truly encounter that love of this amazing father who calls us his children. It's a marvelous, marvelous love. Now, We're going to listen today to a little bit about that love. We'd like to say three things today, and there's obviously much more, but we want to say God's love pursues all of us. God's love provides transformation for all of us. And last but not least, God's love places all of us in a family. And we want to be a family that loves, that loves with the love of God. And Again, we can count on this same God. I love this. Paul tells us this in Romans 5. He says, do you know the Holy Spirit, God himself, wants to pour the love of God into our hearts? (laughs) I need it. Don't you? Okay, then say amen. Yeah, no, it's okay. (laughs) Let's ask him. Father, we pray. Even today, you pour that love into our hearts. We can't love apart from your love. We want to receive your love. We want to give it away. We want to fully reflect 
the image and nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois, as we said, is a family that loves. We love with God's love. And I'm going to take apart some of the words I'm using there. Let's just take the word family. Like, why do we describe our church as a family? Well, it's important because our church is more than just an organization, you know, or an institution, a building, a crowd. No, we are people who are learning to love each other, to relate to one another. And that's actually a more accurate reflection of the term church as it's used in the scripture. It's the Greek word ekklesia. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can use dictionaries. And that word, as it's used over and over again in the scriptures, ekklesia, church, means a group of called out people You're called out, but you're called out for a purpose. And that purpose is to gather. Now, that could just be an assembly, you know, a town hall meeting. But when it's referring to us, we're called to gather together, which is why we're here today. We've gathered as a family to worship God and, you know, experience his presence. So we like to encounter the love of the Father, experience the transformation that Jesus brings us through the gospel, and of course, extend the miraculous in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, are we perfect? Absolutely not. Are we messy? Absolutely yes. <laughs> We're kind of a messy place. But have you read the Bible? I think most of you have. If not, let me tell you, almost every, if not every, family in the Bible is a mess. It is, it's a mess. And if that's not good enough, I mean, I think we look around even at our own lives or the lives of those around us, there's a lot of dysfunctional families. You know, whether we contributed to that or we were a victim of that, this is the good news. We're all dysfunctional and we need a mighty functional savior (laughs) to live the lives that he's called us to, okay? So we want to be a family that loves and we need one another. We need one another because I'm sure you know there is an epidemic of loneliness. Loneliness, isolation, I mean, you know, resulting in suicide, disconnectedness, you know, mental health issues. It's well documented. You know, whether it's in our city, you know, our community, our country, there is an epidemic of loneliness. You know, when Mother Teresa, that great Catholic saint, who minister to the last, the least, and the lost in the most desperate situations and desperate places in the world, when she was asked, what's the worst disease you've ever encountered? You know, like, is it, you know, cancer, leprosy, you know, that Lou Gehrig's disease that leaves you distorted? She goes, oh, no, no, none of that. The worst disease is loneliness. Being alone and unloved. That is the worst disease. Maybe you've experienced some measure of that loneliness. Maybe you're in it right now. New in town or newly divorced or empty nester. Maybe you're grieving a loss. You know, we can't alleviate all that suffering, but we can love those who are suffering. We want to be a family that loves. We do. And a fascinating study. This was just published this year in in a book called The Good Life. It came out of Harvard University. And they said unequivocally, there's one thing that determines a good life. 
a happy life, a healthy life. You want to know what that one thing is? <laughs> they did this 80-year study. Strong relationships. Well, guess what, folks? We don't need Harvard University to tell us that, although it's nice, because God is a father who loves, and he designed us to be in a family with strong relationships. I mean, it's nice that Harvard backs us up, but God's design, we are a family that loves them. That word loves, boy, we can throw that word around, right? That's thrown around all the time, and it's totally misunderstood and misused. We want to be a family that loves with God's love. Okay, today I'm looking at just, you know, uh, a couple things about that love, but before, three different expressions that we highlight here at the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois is, first of all, we are a family that loves God. So guess what? We submit to him. (laughs) He gets to tell us what is right and what is wrong. All right? This isn't some social club. No, we're a family that loves God, okay? And obviously, we do that, hopefully, you know, in a way that honors him, obeys him, but genuinely loves him. I just want to quick refer again to 1 John, that apostle of love. He says here in 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. Have you ever tried to love God? I think most of us have, if we're serious. I mean, I tried. I tried to be good enough, perfect enough, not disappointing. You know, tried to show him how sincere I was. Total failure. Until I discovered how much he loves me. You see, we love because he first loved us. And so to the degree that we constantly encounter that love, experience that love, is the degree that we can give it away to others and give it back to God. (laughs) So it's, it's a beautiful circle of love. We have that on the Lion King for sure. Okay. Secondly, we are a family that here at the Vineyard that loves the whole church. Now, this is really important because, you know, churches get competitive and judgmental and we're it. No, we actually know that almost every church in town reflects some aspect of God's character and we love them and we need them. As a matter of fact, we say to people, if you're just checking us out and you're like, I'm not so sure about that vineyard, we say, well, hey, you want to know a couple other good churches? Stone Creek over here is fantastic. CU, Meadowbrook, First Christian. I mean, there's a lot of great churches in town. And, you know, we sincerely mean that. A friend uh, said to me just, just last week, she said, you know, Di, when I first came to the vineyard, I actually thought you guys were a cult. I said, I know a lot of people do. You get over it. But so, so she said, but what convinced me that you weren't a cult was when you said to me, you know what, Joe, if you can't fit in here at the vineyard, or this isn't who you are, we'll help you find another church. And you know, if you're a cult, you don't do that because (laughs) you say, if you go some other place, you're doomed, you know, because they're all run by fear and uh, terror. So no, we're a family that loves the whole church. And then lastly, we are a family that loves all people. Now, I know that's confusing and that can sound, you know, I don't know about that well. You know, just hang with me because I'm going to lead us through this in the rest of the message. But we are a family that loves all people. Now, in the family of God, 
as in any relationship, whether it's a marriage, you know, or a dating relationship or a friendship, there are boundaries or it isn't real love. Trust me, Happy's not dating other women. Are you? Oh, he's not in here. Okay. I don't think he is. If so, this love is over, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> anyway, no. But we, our heart's desire is to love all people with God's love. Okay. Now, as I said, we're going to look now at three aspects. God's love pursues all. God's love provides transformation for all. And lastly, God's love places all in a family. Now, it does a whole lot more than that, but those are the three we're going to look at today. So I was raised in a very judgmental faith that demanded you clean up before you qualified for a community. Not to mention the fact that as a woman, I was marginalized. All women were marginalized. They could not speak. They had to be silent and cover their heads and wear Jesus jumpers. And they had to, uh, were confined to domestic duties. Okay. It had a lot of other good qualities, but hang with me. Okay. Now, I was marginalized. I felt judged. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, not just women in the church, uh, but I think, you know, if different ethnicities, you know, different economic status, you know, marital or non-marital status, those of you who might be struggling, you know, with drugs or alcohol or mental health issues, you, you can feel unwelcome. And I'm, I'm sorry, I hope that doesn't ever happen to you at the vineyard, but historically, that is a picture of the church, big capital C church. It is often determined who's in, who's out, who's welcome, who's not. And, you know, I'm sorry because the scripture shows God's heart is all who are thirsty may come. All are welcome. All. So come, come. All right. So after I met the Holy Spirit in 1977, everything changed for me because not only did I meet the Holy Spirit, the Bible came alive. How many of you know you can't read the Bible without the Holy Spirit? I mean, if you try, it's just, it's just darn confusing. That's all I got to say. But when you have the Holy Spirit and he reveals the truth. So Acts is a picture of what the early church was like, which we want to imitate in many ways. And on the day of Pentecost, we know the Holy Spirit was poured out. And as people are watching the phenomena, they're like, what is going on? Well, this is what Peter says, Acts 2.17. In the last days, this is what's happening. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon, say it with me, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. You see, God's welcome is for all, men, women, young, old, servants. Here, sometimes this is rendered slaves. All he's saying here is there is no caste system in the kingdom. Okay, all are welcome, all. Now, after I 
experienced that outpouring of the Holy Spirit and realized how much God loved me. (laughs) And I was no longer marginalized as a woman and that his love was just pursuing me. I still had another lesson. I mean, I'm really a slow learner in the kingdom, but I'm here to tell you most lessons in the kingdom are very incremental. So you learn something, oh, you think you got it. Mm, Be careful. (laughs) There's always more, okay? So what I discovered is I was still quite judgmental. I was still actually judgmental towards myself. Even though I had experienced God's welcome and his love, I was still judgmental towards myself. And, And I was definitely judgmental towards other people. And when Happy and I visited the Anaheim Vineyard uh, in the 80s, we, we, we walked in, and, and I remember just like being, you know, because, it, it, whoa, are these people really Christians? You know, it, is this a cult? But, but what I learned, I learned such a valuable lesson there. I learned how every person, no matter male, female, ethnicity, economic background. Every person is made in the image of God. You know you're made in the image of God. You are. Every person is made in the image of God. I needed to see the worth and value of every human being. And then I needed to take off the judge's robe. And you know, I can safely take off that judge's robe. I still have to do that quite often, but I take it off. Why? Because my judgment, your judgment was taken to the cross. And on that cross, he provided a way for all of us to be made new. Okay, and that's the glorious news of the gospel. So I had to take off the judge's robe. I'm going to quote my famous Mother Teresa. She said, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. Man, I want us to be a family that loves. Long ago here, we had a bumper sticker. I don't think they do bumper stickers anymore, do they? They're probably illegal or something. Anyway, uh, it said, come as you are, you'll be loved. And we meant that. We meant come. Come as you are. Don't, don't, Don't clean up first. Just come. We'll let the Holy Spirit do the cleanup, okay? Come, come as you are, you'll be loved. You know, Jesus didn't make his friends jump through hoops before they could hang out with him, right? So we say, come as you are, you'll be loved. And guess what? God's love provides transformation. (laughs) He doesn't leave us the same. I don't want to stay the same. So when we say, come as you are, you'll be loved, it's like, yeah, live any way you want. You know, be anything you want. Not in God's family. But he's an awesome father, a good, good father. And his love is what provides transformation. That is the message of the gospel. I mean, you know, it's not just saying some prayer and now you have your ticket out of hell. Absolutely not. Oh, the gospel is so much more glorious. You know, the Apostle Paul writes about this in so many places, but I love this text in Galatians 3 that so captures this, that God's love provides transformation for all. So this is what he says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, just stop there. So we're all welcome. 
The father's a good, good father. You're made in his image, but you are all children of God, a beloved son or daughter of God through what? Faith in Christ Jesus, by trusting Jesus. Now, I think that's been misunderstood throughout centuries, and I'm not saying any, I'm not the expert, so let's let Paul tell us what that means. And all who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. Okay, wait, what does that mean? Well, he's describing what happens to us when we put our faith in Jesus. He says, all who've been united with Christ in baptism. Now here, he's actually not talking about water baptism. He's talking about actually what's going to happen to us when the Holy Spirit invades our heart. And then we're going to show what happened by being water baptized. Okay, so hang with me. He says, what what are we baptized? You see, when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit immerses us into Christ. Yes. Do you know, Paul says it this way. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, okay? You see, you get immersed into Christ's crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. You become a brand new person, (laughs) and that is good news. See, that's what it means to have faith in Christ, that you become one with him, one with him in the entire message of salvation. And Do I understand this? No, not at all. It's a mystery. Do I believe it? Absolutely. We like to say it this way. Coming to Christ and having faith in him, folks, it's not a cleanup. It's a crucifixion. It's not a, well, I'm just going to get renovated. No, it's a resurrection to a brand new person. And that's why we have a watery tank here. That's coming up in October. And when you have faith in Christ, we say, okay, we're going to plunge you under that water because we're going to bury the old you. And you're going to come up and put on new clothes. And you know what those clothes are? They are the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we experience that. Now, Do we get automatically transformed? I wish. But that's why we need a family. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we, yeah, it's, anyway. Let's finish up that text. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's the family, the family that loves. Now, okay. But thirdly, I said, God actually places you in a family. And I thought it'd be good to hear the story of someone who's experienced God's love pursuing her, God's love transforming her, and then God's love putting her in a family. So this is a story, and she and I are going to share it together, of Milka Kigoni. She's a beautiful young woman from Kenya, Africa, that's where she received her master's, and then she went off to Sweden, where she had a very prestigious job in genomics. But through COVID, that dried up, and simultaneously, there's lots of sorrow in her family back in Africa. Her parents split. Uh, The financial situation was very difficult because she was a breadwinner for her family. And then God graciously provided for her to come to the United States, here to the University of Illinois, and study for her PhD in crop sciences. 
And so in that cold, freezing January 2021, Milka lands in Urbana, and let's hear her story. In addition to the winter and the emotional burden that I was carrying and the financial challenges, I struggled to find friends. I spent a lot of time alone and I started to have anxiety, something I had never experienced before. Um, and I tried to, you know, make myself feel happy by drinking. Uh, I used to take a glass or so of wine and I gradually started drinking a lot more alone. I started making friends with people who enjoyed partying because that made me happy at the time. I also got into a relationship that I shouldn't have, you know, gotten into. And all I was doing all these things to try and feel happy, but I, it didn't work. It did not work. And the anxiety advanced to depression. I became very depressed. I started to have suicidal thoughts. And um, I realized that I had come to an end of myself and none of the things I was using or uh, doing were helping. And um, unfortunately, throughout my journey, before coming to the U.S., I had gotten, I drifted far from the Lord. And so I started to pray and try to reconnect with the Lord. So thankfully, churches started opening up. And before then, I would listen to sermons online, just try to connect to God. But I felt that I needed people. So I'm going to pick up here, and then she's going to come back and tell us more. So sit, sit back and listen. Uh, I love, you know, how uh, she just so clearly shows that, you know, when situations start to spiral in our life, Thankfully, she had the choice to make, and she tried to reconnect with God. And it wasn't working online. Sorry, online folks, but she knew she needed to be with people. And so she tells the rest of uh, this part of her story by saying, well, she grew up Catholic. And so she decided to visit the Catholic church here in town. We have some great Catholic churches. And unfortunately, after two visits, just could not connect with God. But on the third Sunday, she said, okay, I'm it's going to happen today. So she gets up, determined to go, but lo and behold, this has never happened before. The buses that she could have taken to campus, they zoom by. She's like, I don't know what is up. And I really can't walk because it's 30 minutes away. You know what? I'm going to go over to Busey Woods. Now, Busey Woods is a woods back here behind the vineyard. And interestingly, she lived right across the street from the vineyard. But she said, uh, I noticed your building, but I didn't like it so much. And so I'm like, okay. And she didn't know it was a church anyway. So she, she puts Busey Woods in her phone and, and she, you know, starts, you know, trekking along and, and she's like going around in circles. It's not, it's not working. She's like hitting a dead end. Like what? And then She's standing in the middle of the vineyard parking lot and she hears the voice of the Lord. If you're looking for a church, you are in one. Well, this isn't a, oh, wait. She looked at the sign. Well, okay, it's a church, but I, I don't know this church. And she, you know, back to her map, still going in circles. And then she hears it a second time. If you're looking for a church, you are in one. <laughs> okay, fine, God, but I'm Catholic, and I don't know this church, and I don't even know when his services are. So, you know, isn't that weird? Like, don't we all argue with God about so many things? But this is what I love. He's a God who pursues us. 
and it happened a third time. <laughs> if you're looking for a church, you are in one. Okay. But this, we do this bargaining stuff all the time. If it's a church, then I want to see people walking in. Okay, says God. Three people drive up, get out of their cars, walk in. Ah, oh, give up. So she walks in, is warmly welcome, but she sits in the back, and actually the sermon was about over, but she gets totally blasted by the worship, which is awesome. And she did experience the presence of God. So she goes, great. I'll probably come back at some point. But she leaves. I'm going to continue my journey to Busey Woods, right? Oh, that little circle. What is going on? Why can't I get to Busey Woods? And then she sees people are coming back in the building. She's like, oh, I guess there's another service. Okay, I guess I'll go. Here we go. And I walked back into the building. Uh, I went and poured myself a cup of coffee and I was looking out at the cafeteria and Kezia was sitting there and she turned and looked at me with a big smile as if she had known me. So I said, okay, I don't know her, but I walked down to meet her at the cafeteria and she uh, smiled at me and asked me, you know, if this is my first time here. And I told her, yes, we connected also because she had gone to U of I, same department as I. And when I told her it's my first time, she said, you know what, you can sit with me. And I was, I felt, you know, loved in that. So we went back to the auditorium and the sermon was about a fresh heart. And Daniel Goulet was preaching that Sunday. And from the moment he started speaking, the words that he shared was speaking to my situation. You know how I say that I drifted from God and I didn't know how to find my way back? The message was about a hardened heart. And I came to realize that truly my heart had become hardened by the situations I was facing and just Right. So I wept the entire time I was in that sermon. Um, by the time we started worship, I was a wreck, but I was happy. This is what I needed. It was authentic. I left the church that day with a contact, Kezia, and I knew I would come back. So for the next two or so months, I kept coming back to the vineyard, but I was not seeking to connect with anyone. I was very shy. Um, I wasn't sure who to talk to. And so I would come in, get my coffee, go in, enjoy the service and go home. And during this time, God had been transforming me. From that Sunday, he started showing me what had gone wrong. And he, he started drawing me back to himself in many ways. One of the things he was doing is he was also clearing my circle. He was changing the people in my circle. And so I lost um, a number of friends, the few that I had. Um, so one day in desperation, I told the Lord, I'm lonely. Lord, if you're going to change my friends, my circle of friends, I need you to give me new friends. So that Sunday, the following Sunday, I came to church. And during ministry, someone walked up to me and gave me a prophetic word and said, you know that friend you asked God for? He says he will give you a friend. That week, I made two friends from the vineyard, one called Dara and Janet. And Dara in particular was looking at the same time she had been praying that God would give her someone who can come, wanted to do more in the church, like attend mid-size and small group. And that was also what I wanted. So mid-size, summer mid-size was starting. So we came for that. And from the first day, you know, before I attended any of these 
meetings, I used to think I need to maybe know the whole Bible. I wondered whether I'm going to be able to connect with anyone because of cultural differences. I sort of felt um, unworthy. Um, but what I expected was not what I experienced. Because when I came into Midsize with Dara, we just found people who were like me, looking to connect. Um, they didn't have life figured out, <laughs> as I thought people would. Um, they were just looking to do life with the Lord. And they were hungry for God's word. Um, there were people also experiencing situations that I had also experienced. And we got to share a lot and pray for each other. And so we kept coming and we loved every bit of that experience. And then I just love how hungry she was. I mean, mid-size is ending, but oh, guess what's starting? Alpha. And I'm a huge champion of Alpha. We've run the Alpha course here, and we're running it this fall. You need to check it out online. It's where you can come and ask any question. And you go through foundational truths about the Bible, about Jesus, about life. And there's no condemnation. It's just a great place, again, to connect with God, with one another, and the Word of God. And so she completes the Alpha course, but in that course, she meets a very dear friend, Brenda Janicek. And now, this is what I love. This is how the family works. Let's pick up. Towards the end of Alpha, Brenda, the table host, looks at me and she says, I think we are supposed to start a small group, you and I. And I was nervous because how? I didn't feel like I have the qualifications for any of this, but the Lord had chosen her to be a mentor and together we would listen to, for the voice of the Holy Spirit and just obey. And every time we meet, we experience the Lord. He has been so faithful in meeting us there. Um, another thing is some of our small group members now wanted more and so they joined SOCOM. And so it has just been... Um, a journey that has kept giving. Some of our small group members have also started their small, own small groups. So we have been truly blessed, not only to receive love in a foreign land for me, and a time when I really needed it, but also to have the opportunity to love on others the same way the Lord loves on me. Thank you. She's going to join us for communion during ministry time, so you'll get to, to hear just a, a bit more uh, from Belka. This is such a beautiful picture, isn't it, of how God's love uh, pursues all, transforms all, and places all in a family. And that's exactly what the scripture shows. Right here in Acts, again, a picture. How did the early church function? Well, it tells us right here, Acts 2, 46. They worshiped together at the temple in a big group. They met in homes in a small group for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. <laughs> you know, you need it all just to come on the weekend, and that's good. The large group, though it's hard to connect, it's hard to make friends. You have to make a choice, as Milka did. Oh, go to some of the smaller gatherings, like small groups, and you can check out the lounge with all of the options there, or Alpha or mid-size, and so you want to connect, or women of purpose. We have a lot of different ways that you can be in a smaller group where you can meet face-to-face -face and share history. And sometimes people go, well, we don't really like get into Bible, deep Bible stuff on Sunday morning. No, we don't. We, we, we save that for the smaller groups where you can ask questions and take it very seriously. 
So we need both. We want big groups and small groups, all so that we can truly be a family that loves. And our prayer is that you would choose to join us. So Father, you draw people, you place people in families, and you know who those people are. And so we welcome all, Lord, and we trust in your love to just be poured out on us, in us, and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.